The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to my show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Power of Water. I know the world is listening. I've really appreciated all the bloggers around the world and with the research I do during the day and studying some of that, the issues, the stories, the education is with us. Our research that we do with our show every day with, uh, is exciting. And, and I want to thank World Talk Radio, Voice America, and Apple iTunes uh, for giving us this indication so that we can reach out to the world with the power of water and provide the education and the research that's necessary because I know for a fact this show will save lives. Did you know that 5,000 children die a day a day? That's 5,000 times, 365 days a year are dying because they don't have water. Now, that's over 1.8 million children are dying because they don't have water. Now, isn't that a strange feeling for you to be listening, that your life is at stake, but a child every day is dying because we cannot provide them water on this planet Earth, on the, the world out there. And the show that I started in many years ago and the research that I started with Biologic Aqua is to understand what Earth's importance of life in the water. And without the life in the water and the life in the water of your humidity, and I'm going to be including that, life in water and the humidity too, there is no life. The world will not be healthy. Diseases will be out of control. We can slow the diseases down once the symptom is uh, decided with medication, but can we learn to be more proactive? That's another goal of my show, The Power of Water. Let's be proactive about learning more. So every day when we know the body is made up of 50 trillion cells of water, and water is life, how this show can begin to reduce the mortality rate of your life and other people's life, the diseases, but also save children around the world. So the show is asking you to be healthy and be well and listen well with us. Join us and blog and be part of us. It's exciting. Today we have someone else, someone I have on before, and I'm just, I could hardly wait to get him on again, Fred Kirshenman. He's a Ph.D. author, president at Kirshen and Family Farms, 3,500 acres of certified organic farmer farming. And it, it is so much fun to learn about what they've been learning about organic farming, using less water to do exactly the production that they need to achieve quality farming. He's a distinguished fellow. He's with the Leopold Center for Sustainable Agriculture. 
He's an Iowa State University and president. He is with the Stone Barn Center for Food and Agriculture. He's in uh, New York. And the future of food and the weather changes is going to be our topic today. Our second guest is going to be Robert Marketic. He's got an MBA. He's president of the Redwood Financial Advisors Group. He's a registered investment advisor and is co-founder and president of WealthNet and is a national trust company. And the topic today is how to survive the coming retirement storm. And I know I have an outlook on what is happening to the retired people. And I think it's time that we started realizing that when you want to retire, how young you are, and whatever day that decision comes, you want to make sure that the country you're living in is within it with you. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Did you know that the surface of your eyes are 99% water? Vision impairment is out of control. They expect by 19, to, uh, 2030, 35 million people to be blind. We have children with vision impairment out of control today all over the world, but also in this country of America being born with vision impairments. Let's do something about it. But Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the only worldwide product to be able to mist with a fine mist to supplement the humidity effect for your tear film to be able to supplement what is necessary because of dehydration. The eye drops cause a flooding. Anything that alters that tear film in the water causes a change with the enzymes, the proteins, and could cause and can cause, will cause vision impairment all the way to potentially blindness. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and we'll be right back with Fred Kirschenman. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Fred, are you with us? I am here. Well, thank you for joining us again. Well, it's a pleasure to uh, chat with you again, Sharon. Well, I enjoyed the last show so much, and uh, today... I want the audience around the world to know, and the bloggers are loving the show, by the way, Fred. Good. Uh, because we're discussing some very important issues of uh, diet and water and 
and certain part uh, our health issues and and uh, stress and eyes and skin and what is happening to the humidity of our earth, which is causing a the polluted humidity is causing a horrible mortality rate that people don't even know about, and that's that water and the humidity. Tell us what is happening. You know, organic farming, and by the way, before we start, Fred, I need you to know, I've said to the world out there, there's two things that even the United States of America could have an economy burst with. One is energy, but the other one is agriculture, food. And um, tell us about what is some of the latest things that you've been learning about, what they're learning about how to grow what we need. We need water and we need food. What is happening out there with organic farming? Well, the the main thing that uh, is just starting to happen that uh, is going to uh, uh, increase uh, in the decades ahead is, uh, first of all, our energy costs are going to go up. So this uh, cheap energy system that we've been using to raise our food uh, is not uh, increasingly not going to work. And, uh, in fact, uh, uh, the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations just released a report uh, here a, a week or so ago uh, indicating uh, the way in which increase in oil prices uh, have affected the increase in food prices. And if you look at the chart, they increase at exactly the same rate. Um, so, and that's uh, because of, is that because of the transportation? Well, it, uh, transportation is a small part of it, but our oh, really? Our, our yeah, I mean, our current uh, industrial food system is enormously energy dependent. Okay. Uh, you know, our fertilizers are all either made okay. with fossil Thank fuels you. or okay. derived from fossil fuels, and farm equipment. You know, go right down the line. Everything okay. is based on on fossil fuels. Um, but then also uh, the issue of water. You know, we've been drawing down our fresh water resources all across the planet. Um, the Ogallala Aquifer, which uh, supplies the irrigation water for uh, uh, most of the uh, irrigation in the in the in the midsection of the United States and the heartland, we've drawn that down by half since 1960. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in places like China and India, you know, we've drawn down uh, freshwater resources not only aquifers but also in rivers and streams. And uh, so we can't continue to do that uh, uh, into the future. So it's both. Uh, the pollution of our water and the depletion of our water uh, that's going to be a limiting factor in terms of what we're doing. And one of the things that we're discovering, and soil scientists have been pointing this out for a number of years, is that uh, it's the biological health of our soil uh, that's the critical component in this. Because if you have biologically healthy soil, the soil absorbs and retains more water more of the water goes back down into the aquifers instead of running off the surface and that's, going down the Mississippi that's the, River. That's the, that's the Earth's secret right there. That's right, yeah. You have to absorb. Yeah, right. And so, uh, you know, we know now, for example, that if soil has 1% organic matter, which is only one measure of itself but an important one, uh, then the soil has the capacity to absorb and retain about 33 pounds of water per cubic yard. If you have 5% organic matter, it's 195 pounds. So we can uh, uh, theoretically at least reduce our irrigation water by a factor of six by restoring the biological health of mm-hmm. our soil. Now, Fred, on um, I brought this up with you before, and I've been doing a lot more study than I normally would have in the last few weeks on humidity 
right. uh, because of the mortality rate, uh, because the humidity is so polluted. The soil is alive. It's a living organism. And right. people can look and walk on it and look at it and think of it as, okay, it's there and it's, it's, it's not alive, but it is. And you're, you treat it because when you're being organic, you're treating it like your, your soil is alive to you. And you talked about it right now in your descriptions as alive. What about the humidity? Does the soil, when it's being treated to its, to its perfection of health and, 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 and giving the soil every bit of life it needs to get to survive, does that create, draw more humidity from the air to help the soil? Well, it's, it's obviously all connected. And um, uh, the thing that we don't know uh, very well yet is how climate change is going to affect all of this. Now, we do know... We do, there are several things we do know, and that is that the more intense crop, uh, crop dip, uh, production that you have, for example, uh, you know, we're now uh, raising far more stalks of corn uh, per square foot than we used to, you know, uh, even 15, 20 years ago. Uh, that additional corn causes more evaporation, transpiration into the environment, which increases the humidity um, in the air and also increases uh, rainfall. Now, from a farmer's point of view, some of that's good because you want the rainfall. Uh, but now with the more unstable climates, as climatologists have been telling us for a long time, we're going to see more droughts and more floods, and we're already starting to see that you know, happening all across the planet. And so all of those are going to be connected. And uh, so, uh, you know, the health issues that you talk about, uh, the environmental issues, uh, the soil erosion issues that come, you know, in, the, in 2008 we had one of the most uh, severe flooding areas uh, or, or times here uh, in Iowa, and uh, some of the soil erosion was just heartbreaking. Um, so all of these things are connected, and we have to start thinking about the, you know, the health of the whole, you know, as Aldo Leopold used to refer to it, the whole land community, and and it is those. You know, most of us have come to think about soil as simply dirt under our feet, but as you right. pointed out, it's this dynamic living community. There are more living organisms beneath the surface of the soil than there are above the soil, and uh, and that living community has to be cared for, and then it will provide all of the ecosystem services that we want and need. Thank you. And possibly, if, it, if the soil is healthy, begin to filter out the pollution uh, and the humidity. Is that possible? Well, yeah. It's, uh, again, if it's if it's if it's cared for properly, it certainly will. Uh, you know, well, one of the things you know, uh, Wes Jackson at the Land Institute, uh, one one of his short uh, articles here recently, uh, referred to us as existing between soil and soil. <laughs> and uh-huh. what he what he meant by that is that soil is the ingredient which not only produces our food but also uh, stores and makes available our water and and provides us with with the purity of water. Um, and then, of course, as we know, we all eventually go back to soil, right? So we really do exist between soil and soil. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and unfortunately, um, in our modern society, uh, we have become uh, divorced from soil. We, you know, we, don't, we don't understand or appreciate uh, its, uh, its value and, and the great contribution that it makes. It is, in fact, essential. Well, I think people, Fred, are also getting back to possibly a new culture, I'm calling it, 
of people who want to be healthy. They want to be well, and they want right. to pay it forward. And they're starting to recognize if there's education available, they listen well, Fred. Right. That's why these shows are so important. Right. Uh, our show, yes, it's the power of water, but the power of water, the life in the water is brought all to earth, the soil and the raw, everything we're looking at, life today. And right. people are craving for more education all the time to hear right. what you're saying. Right. Now, to bring attention to the soil and under our feet, I've said it for all the past few years, that the economy of our country and the world is healthy water, number one, energy, and then all of a sudden they do need to understand what is so important next is the nutrition, the soil. And with those two things, to become independent and to have life sustain itself for eternity, we cannot have the food coming for such far distances. They should learn how to grow the food closer. Am I right or wrong? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it certainly makes sense for a lot of reasons. Uh, the, the one thing, though, that I think has been uh, somewhat misunderstood in our culture is that uh, we, we, have, we have sort of uh, promoted the notion that the distance that food travels is a huge part of our ecological footprint. Uh, but, it, you know, it's, it's really more complex than that because uh, a lot of it also is how the food travels. Uh, in fact, there have been some studies now that have been done that if uh, 50 farmers each put their produce into their vehicle and take it to a farmer's market 50 miles away, that's a bigger ecological footprint than when you have an 18-wheeler truck bring a full load of produce from uh, California to New York. Uh, so we have to, you know, we have to look again at whole systems and we have to begin thinking in terms of how do we reduce our ecological footprint through the whole system. Mm-hmm. Now, the real important thing, I think, that the local food system has made for us is not so much the distance that food travels, but it's engaged people about food so that they begin to understand that soil is important. They begin to learn to, from their farmers who they're buying their fruit from. They establish those relationships. Mm-hmm. And that really turns them, it transforms them from passive recipients of simply, you know, buying the food, eating it, not knowing anything about it, into food citizens. So they become active around their food. And that's I like that word, food citizens. Right. Fred, you're going to laugh. I'm 70 years old this week. <laughs> and uh, I know I, <laughs> I I know I well Fred. He's very young by my standards. Saying you're too young, you're, too, you're not old enough yet. And I always <laughs> they did a good job. My parents. Um, I could hardly wait to be old enough, Fred. <laughs> to know <laughs> so I'm liking my aging. But you know when I look at uh, out there and what is happening with with the life that we're all eating and what I have done in my life and my research, my favorite thing for to do go do every weekend is go to produce departments. Yeah. I bet I go every weekend to four or five different stores, produce departments to get different things and. And I've said it to everybody, and you just said it, said it engaging, uh, words of education. People are craving to learn more. They don't want to go to the medicine cabinet, Fred, every day. They want to get up, put their feet on the ground, and think about what is important to them to be healthy, to be well. Right. right. And um, organic farming. Now, it's something we need to bring out. And there's been a lot of publicity, or organic farming is just a, a, a uh, not a truthful, uh, it's not a truth, it's just trying to make more money. Could you answer that to the audience? Uh, 
Why is it that organic farming is so important? Well, it, again, it's a complex issue. We, first of all, we have to understand that there are, there are different kinds of organic farming. Uh, you know, in order to uh, meet the requirements of the national standard, uh, you have to uh, demonstrate and be certified by an inspector to make sure that you aren't using any inputs that are on the disallowed list uh, by the National Organic Standard uh, and that you are uh, using only the natural inputs that are allowed. Now, I can still be a huge monoculture farmer raising just uh, you know one or two uh, commodities and using natural inputs instead of synthetic inputs, and I'm still not attending to the biological health of soil that we've just talked about. So again, this is why those relationships are so important so that people understand that there are different kinds of organic farmers out there, and if they want to really support an organic farmer uh, that is paying attention to restoring the biological health of soil and all the other things we've talked about, uh, then uh, you know that's that's the brand they want to buy from, uh, and uh, and we also have there's a lot of organic food now that comes from other countries, and uh, you know I think that USDA is really trying to do a good job of monitoring all of the certifiers in those countries, et cetera. But it's a huge job, mm-hmm. and so uh, you know personally I'm a little skeptical of uh, you know imported organic foods. Uh, Again, you want to find out more about uh, where it's actually coming from and uh, what kind of practices they're using. You just said something important there that people should start looking at when you're buying organic food that you're supporting the future of, of the soil and the future of farmers to treat the soil as, as that the value of a living life uh, without because if they're treating it with yeah. Uh, altogether differently than if it's, if it's not organic, they're obviously treating it much differently than an organic farmer. Yeah, the other thing wanna, about I organic is um, to think about is that all of us should start thinking, if, let's say it costs a little more. I, Fred, I have this outlook on some of my evaluations. We in, in our country of America and the world can hear this. We say, oh, why are we supporting the rest of these countries and we're not supporting our own country. Well, it's because they chose to be cheaper, and they didn't want to pay a price for a different quality. And on our labor force, our 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 world over here, in our culture, our society, and if you pay a little more, you're supporting so much, so much uh, of the life in here. But if you're supporting organic farming. There's a, uh, something there that you're actually supporting the organic growth of the soil and the future of the soil on the whole planet because it does affect all of the planet, uh, the soil. You know, yeah, they've been saying you know, that's, too, Fred, that's, that, that's exactly that, correct. That and so in fact, there have been China. some studies that well, have been done. Pardon? Now. I'm sorry. Uh, we, we were saying there was so much pollution in China that's affecting the whole world. And it is affecting. Well, everybody is affecting everybody else. If the population yeah. grows and our, our life in the United States or your life there in New York, our life here in Oregon and, and life in Brazil and life in China and life anywhere, it's all affecting each other now. We're no longer isolated because we're learning more. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're bringing up the issue of cost is important, and there have been a couple of studies that have been done, uh, one uh, by Jules Preddy in Great Britain, uh, which was published several years ago, in uh, which he looked at the uh, costs of a conventional food system that we're externalizing and then compared that uh, with uh, the cost of foods that are produced, you know, more organically and sustainably. And the number that he came up with is that if you were to add the costs that are externalized, you know, on many of the things that you mentioned, uh, it would increase the cost of food at a typical supermarket by 40%. Uh, Mike Duffy did a study here in the United States. He was more conservative in terms of the costs that he identified that are externalized and still came up with a figure of you would add 20% to the cost of the supermarket. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, this is part of our economy. Uh, everybody, given the kind of economy that we've created, wants to externalize, understandably, uh, as many costs as possible. But we, st- we, the consuming public, still ends up paying for them. You know, we pay for we pay for them in our health costs. We pay for them in our environmental damage. We pay for them in all these other ways. Now, if they, if a person would sit down and write, a, let's say, a business plan on their health, just directed only to their health, yeah. and what would they do in their plan to be a healthier person? Not have to be going to the medicine cabinet every day. Yeah. Not to have to be yeah. a person who's getting up worried about the sniffle. In other words, always being proactive, thinking ahead. Water and nutrition. Yeah. And they, I've had a lot of people on here, Fred, on diets. And I've had the, uh, the author of the China study diet. I've had no end of individual doctors here on dieting and nutrition and vegan and more. And what, yeah. what we're all learning is the, what you drink is number one. You must drink an abundant amount of nice water a day. It's so important to you. The humidity you're living in is vital to you because without the proper humidity for you to breathe and your eyes to breathe and your, around your facial organ, it's so important how you're living. Are you outside getting enough fresh air? Uh, indoors conditions because of forced air, heating and cooling and insulated windows and walls. We're, pro- we're proving without a doubt was probably one of the worst technologies they ever did to snuff out bre- breath of life, moisture, indoors. Uh, but food is who you are. Right. And, it can, and they're finding, Fred, you've heard it, people are solving many of the problems with obesity, of course, uh, with uh, macular degenerations getting improved. Diabetics are getting improved. People are improving. I've even heard cases when one person had to have heart surgery and the doctor talked her into changing her diet and all of a sudden she didn't have to have the heart surgery as long as she stayed on her diet of fresh vegetables and, and fruit, fresh fruit, and not as much sugar, not as much carbohydrate. We've had uh, the one the leading world nutrition scientist in the world from Tufts, Alan Taylor on here, Dr. Taylor, saying food, 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 food. Yeah. Is important. So organic farming. Don't worry about everybody about paying a little more if you pay a tiny more or whatever it is. Your food is who you are, and and learn to eat less, but get the quality of your value of your health plan, and you will save money, won't they, Fred? Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, you know the interesting thing is when you look at you know we keep we keep bragging uh, uh, in the United States about the fact that we have the cheapest food in the world, which first of all is based on a metric that's a little spurious because we spend less of our disposable in average disposable income 
than anybody else in the world. It's a, a little below 10% now. But our average disposable income is also so much higher than most other people in the world that it doesn't really tell us much about the actual cost of food. And um, I had this conversation with Chuck Benbrook some years ago, and I said, you know, we've got to come up with a different metric. And so he said, yeah. So he did a quick study on the cost of food per calorie. And on the cost per calorie, we're actually 23rd on the list. There are 22 countries that have cheaper food than we do. And then I said to Chuck, I said, but we still need a different metric because you can have food that's high in calorie and still low in nutrient value. So we need uh, a, a cost accounting that uh, talks about the cost of food per nutrient value. And then he said, yeah, but that's more complex, <laughs> which, of course, it is. But, um, you know, that that's the thing. But the, the thing that's interesting, as, our average, as, the, as the average amount of disposable income that we spend on food has decreased over the last 50 years, Mm-hmm. The average cost of our health care has increased. It's now about 18%. Uh, well, and like Dr. Alan Taylor has said, and I put him on the carpet on that, I said, would you tell me what you think the worst problem in our diets through the years has been? And he said, sugar, Fred. Yeah. Well, what it is is um, my field is studying the dehydration of the body. I could look at a leaf with a droplet of water or without yeah. the water. I could look at the root of the tree, and I'm understanding an evaluation there of dehydration. Well, what happens with sugar is it, it causes a heat in the body. And if you're the kind of person who craves and loves the feel of that, what you didn't know what it is, it's called heating you up. It gives you a sensation. Well, then all of a sudden, when it's, it's distributed itself through the body, all of a sudden you have a downer. And they, that's why sugar has become, because we're dehydrating so much more than ever in history. Fred, I've had doctors say, I, they went to the doctor with symptoms. The doctor, this is a doctor, and they said they went home so embarrassed they were dehydrated. Yeah. We're living in a world of not understanding what is happening here with dehydration, whether it be the soil, our human body, whatever life it is, the, the humidity we're living in, of what is happening to change it. And the food we eat, it creates a hydration or it will cause a dehydration. What is allergic reaction? Who knows from birth? Now, tell me a little bit about, before we go, we only have a couple more minutes, cross-cutting initiative. What does that mean? Well, cross-cutting means, uh, you know, looking at the interrelationships of, you know, you can, you can look at things either from, you know, uh, you know, looking at it just from the point of view of the economic performance of a situation, uh, the social benefits or lack of them from a situation, uh, or the, uh, the, the any number of other aspects. And cross-cutting really says, let's try to look at the interrelationships and see how they affect each other in the whole system. Mm-hmm. And I think as we as we think about these issues, because they they do we in our society we always tend to want to reduce things to their simplest format so that we can come up with a simple solution to solve problems, and that's been part of our problem. You know. Well, I mean, can we call it take, taking shortcuts? Well, yeah. And we have a society on Earth. I don't care where you're at that wants to take a shortcut, not to take the the quality time. You know, back east many years ago when I started what I started, there was a gentleman who had been in the business world for many, many years, and he said, he who goes slowly, he who goes steady goes the farthest. We're a society that wants to rush. 
and we got to do it right. We got to to the quality of what it takes to do it correctly, even if it takes a little more time than our impatience wants to endure. Well, we only have a moment left. How would you like to leave the world out there on what we're doing uh, with your family with organic farming? Well, it's you know uh, again we're I think the, the the main thing that I'm focused on now is to anticipate the changes that are coming. I you know I uh, uh, Paul Roberts in his book The End of Oil taught me a very important lesson in this wonderful introduction to his book. He talks about how the change of just in fossil fuels is going to change our world, and then he has this great paragraph in which he says, "So it's not a question of whether or not changes will come. Change will come." It's a question of whether they will come in an orderly and peaceful way or a violent and chaotic way because we waited too long to begin planning for them. And I thought, oh, all this time I thought I had to work on changing the world. I thought that's what my mission was. I don't have to worry about that anymore. Changes are going to come. What I need to devote myself to is planning for the changes that are coming. And that's really, I think, what we have to focus on now. That is a great focus, Fred. That is a wonderful night. That's a 2012 focus. All right. Well, I hope we can have you on again. I look forward to it. Tell your family we hello, and uh, we really appreciate what you're doing. All right. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. You have a nice day, and you be well. You, yeah, you as well. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Well, a lot of times on the show I'll say this, wow, I, I'd love to have a guest on when I'm learning so much, and they're explaining to us some things. We may have heard a lot of things, these things, but we hear it in a different way because there's some people who can naturally teach us. And then there's things that we have never heard before. And we need this f- focus on what he just said. Uh, we, we're living in this planet together. Let's enjoy every minute of it it's like it's a hobby. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Mist, the handheld moisturizing portable device misting to mist the eyes and give it the supplement that is so important to your eyes. Because did you know your eyes are 99% water and the eye drops can flood that water, disturb the enzymes, the proteins, and vision impairment is out of control. Humidity is causing a mortality problem all over the world. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, you can mist your eyes and breathe it at the same time. I'll listen to our sponsor and be right back with Robert Margetic. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Robert, are you with us? 
Yes. Hello. Hello. Are you with us? Yes, I'm with you. Well, can you talk just a little? Uh, our technology isn't picking you up very strong. So uh, can you talk just a little bit louder so yep. our world can hear you? Okay, how is this? That's a little better. Thank you. All Tell right. us about you, and uh, you're president of Redwood Financial Advisors, and uh, you're wanting to discuss today, you have a book out called How to Survive in the Coming Retirement Storm, and I'll add some of my thinking on what's happening to the retirement pro- uh, there. But how did you get involved in what you're doing? I've been uh, an advisor for probably over 25 years working with clients in a variety of of financial matters, and one of the things that I've been observing quite a bit over the last several years is that a lot of people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s were just not prepared for retirement. They really didn't know what to do, uh, and they were scared and they were looking for some guidance. And after the markets crashed in 2008, uh, I sort of had an insight that said a lot of what we were doing were having these people plan for their parents' and grandparents' retirement, but the rules have changed. We were planning for the wrong retirement. And now this storm process coming through with the global economic slowdown, massive debts, unsustainable deficits, a financial system that's going to collapse, uh, along with three to four million people retiring every year, there's a new retirement system, but nobody's told anybody what it is. So I thought I'd write a book to say, here's how you can survive in this crazy new environment where we found ourselves in. Right. And what is your thinking on, uh, let's go right out the gate right now. What have you said in your book, because obviously you did some really good research, what have you learned what they can do? Because it is, you know, I've, you know every time the government says they're going to go out and borrow more money, it's frightening because they're not only borrowing it from other countries of the world, but they're borrowing it from retirement plans. From the, 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 the uh, Social Security, they're buying it from, borrowing it from Medicare, they're borrowing it from every government. And that's when you think about the government taking in all that money, Robert, and then when they need money, when they haven't managed well, they go in and take it out of which funds? The retirement plans. Uh, that's uh, absolutely one of the components is that we've been deceived into thinking that there's all this money in the Social Security Trust Fund. There's no money in it. Can I share something with you? Yes. I don't think they're not telling people they're taking it out. Once in a while you'll hear that's where it came from, but how often does anybody in Washington, D.C. say that's what they did with when the government wasn't running properly? They went in and took that money from the retirement, an individual retirement plan? Well, uh, they don't say it enough. No, and that's part of the deception. They're trying to let people think that this is uh, a financially secure device, and it's it's really smoke and mirrors. If you think about it, what they've done um, is they've taken money from people who work out of your paycheck, so you got the payroll tax comes out. They divert some of that into what they call the Social Security Trust Fund, and then the rest of the money goes towards people that are already retired. So the money that went into the Social Security Trust Fund, if you view that sort of like three-card Monty, there's that little cup there that was supposed to be in the trust fund. They just went and spent all that. They so spent th- th- somebody else's money. Yes, it's not there anymore. Now, if you as a company and you're running a company and you p- spent somebody else's money 
and you didn't have, and, and you were not putting it toward the investment of what it, the money came in for, wouldn't you have a problem? Uh, I'd go to jail. The government is not, you know, people have got to take the government, all that money they want to take in for government, running the government to run everything. It's like somebody had said to me, and I have to tell you, um, I'm not young. I'm 70, and I've been around the horn a little bit. I'm not smart, Robert, so I think the older I get, Robert, the smarter uh, I might you get. get so. But you're wise. And by the way, this week I'm 70. So, oh, congratulations. I just said it to my former guest, but my parents always said, you're not old enough. And, Robert, I always think, thought that the older I get, the smarter I might get, Robert. <laughs> well, there I you keep go. hoping. But anyway, when I found out, that every time they say they borrowed money, and I kept thinking they went to the bank or maybe they even printed more money. Oh, no, Robert. They took it from the retirement planning of these of our own country. Yes, and that's what they used to And they're to talking fund about the people on the streets not getting money. They're talking about the middle sector not getting money. It's, they're, they're taking it from people who cannot go out and get a job every day who are retired. Uh, precisely, and and that's part of the deception. And, and well, it's, an, it's 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 a crime. And this is where we need to be able because to hold I, our politicians I find I'm never quitting. But people have retired for a good, honest reason. They they've worked so hard to retire eventually and kind of gear back and enjoy years of life. And they put hard earned money in it. They put their money in it. They're not asking for more than they put in it. Right. They're asking for exactly the money they put in it, and then all of a sudden the government grows bigger, and when the government gets bigger, they take more money out because they're getting bigger, but the retirement individual, the person who's retired, cannot go out and put a bio out there to go out and get another job. All of a sudden they get short, and then their health insurance is now the Medicare and uh, whatever supplement that might be, and that may be coming to a problem in the future. And they want to be able to choose their own doctor. They want to be able to choose their own destiny with freedom of living in a democracy. And uh, what you've said, it, it is a storm. Uh, it is, and what's happening because of the uh, general political concern and their lack of transparency or honesty, you can now read between the lines as they start talking about means testing Social Security. They're going to say, well, if you happen to be retired and you have more income, you don't need all your Social Security. So this is one of the scarier parts for people that are near retirement or just starting out. You then have to wonder, is that money going to be there for 20 or 30 years? If you retire at 65, a couple retiring at 65, you have greater than a 50-50% chance that one of them will live into their 90s. Well, you want them to. And my research, uh, Robert, is for you to live to be over about 180 and be healthy. Uh, I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. We're now to the lifespan. For over 40 years. I think that we've got to learn that there's some simplicity to earth secrets here about living longer if you take care of yourself and you want to be healthy, drinking enough water and, and eating the right proper food and having the right outlook on life. And, and, but when you go to work, it's also very healthy just to be working. And then all of a sudden you plan or forced into retirement because you're getting older or they want some younger people in those occupations, and that can happen in certain occupations. Then you take a retirement. Well, that's your money. Right. That belongs to you and not the government to go take that money and use it for something that they think that are uh, for all these things that 
the, to study the turtle how it crosses the street. Uh, and that uh, is really a form of outrage, and we just don't have uh, the focus on the politicians to be forthright and honest about it. What they end up doing is they'll hide behind computer-projected models that say over 50 years, and you make a bunch of happy assumptions, like unemployment will be 5%, the economy will grow at 3%, which is what they actually have done in the last Social Security Trustees report, and you compound that for 50 years and you say, hey, we don't have a problem. And so that's how they put people off. But what we do have a problem is that right now there's more money coming out of Social Security than is going in. There is no money in the trust fund that was supposed to make up the difference. Because they're using, they're, borrow, they're taking it from there. Right. Well, there's nothing in the trust fund, so it's nothing there. So now what happens is we are, we've already begun borrowing more money to pay the retirees. And we, and we haven't even started with the baby boom generation and 80 million people are going to retire over the next 15 or 20 years. Mm -hmm. And we're already in the hole. And that's the scary mm -hmm. part. Well, they talk about Wall Street, you know, uh, what is so important with Wall Street? Why is Wall Street so important? Well, a lot of these people in this new last 20 years have been uh, retiring with 401ks or IRAs. Well, if Wall Street isn't going to do well, that takes away from them again. Well, and that's part of, again, what has led more towards the storm is what's been happening or the trends over the last 10 or 15 years is to put more and more responsibility, financial responsibility, on the individual. So corporations cut back on their pension plans and you got 401ks, which is a way of shifting investment risk to you. Mm -hmm. uh, the government has uh, kept Social Security somewhat lower so it doesn't replace as much of your income as it used to. Uh, and so now you have more responsibility to produce or manage your own investments, and then as soon as all that happens, Wall Street collapses. Yeah, yeah. And so you're there. Because they're saying Wall this. Street is uh, not important. The government is more important. So, um, well, so you know, I, I need you to know from where I come from, um, I'm, I believe that business is what makes the economy flow. And business is coming from whether it be sitting in Belgium's business Australia's business, Brazil's business, China's business, or the United States of America, 50 states, like I call them 50 little countries in a body, but each state has to have a business. And each life at home has to have a business plan of how they're going to live their lives. But what belongs to them is their money, and they put that money in there knowing that someday they can't go get a job as easily as they did when they were younger. Right. And your grandparents, my grandparents, and uh, all of us have, didn't have to worry about it. Like what, today, this government in the United States took our, the, although that, and I'm going to get into a little bit here, but that trading, the AAA trading of trading mortgages, and then all of a sudden something had never been, they never used to trade mortgages. And then all of a sudden, here's all that money out the door at a time of life when you have all these people retiring and they're forcing retirement younger because uh, some of them were forced out of retirement because they lost their jobs because of the collapse. Now they're saying to everybody, you may have to work until you're 67, which a lot of people probably won't mind. They just want to know their money's there. Um, yes, and there's also the other side to it is many people go uh, that, well, gee, I'll just have to work longer, but we have to also remember that it takes two to tango there. I mean, your employer has to agree that you can continue to work, uh, 
Right. And then second, your body has to agree that you can continue to work. Well, you mean your mind. Well, your body or your mind. <laughs> you can't become physically or mentally disabled. If something happens to you at 63, 64, you might not be able to work till 70, which might be your right. plan. Right, you kind of burn out. So right. You need a plan B. How are you going to take care B? of yourself without a paycheck? Exactly. So what are your thing, what is in your book that you can think of that we haven't discussed that is so important for people to plan? Well, I think the key thing is to focus on what you can control and what you have the most control over is how you spend money. Uh, as far as the financial markets and what are out there, there's a lot of risk as far as what you end up doing. Uh, so once you put some money aside for savings, then you're a bit at the whims of the market. But if you're able to go through and intelligently categorize your spending, uh, identify it by, you know, entertainment, housing, personal care, all that, you'll have an understanding where your money goes. And then if you need to cut back because Social Security becomes less or your Medicare rates go up, you then have a decision, where am I going to find that money? And if you don't understand how you're spending money, you can't make an intelligent choice of saying, gee, I just got hit with these tax increases or they just raised my Medicare out-of-pocket stuff. Where is that money going to come from? Or your power bill went up or your gas yeah. bill goes right. up. Your food bill goes up. The your personal health, stuff yeah, for inflation is going to happen. And so your sense of security is going to be how well you can intelligently manage your expenses and to be able to – uh, get rid of the low-priority expenses when necessary so you do the least damage to your lifestyle. Um, and there's another thing. I hope when you write the next book you'll call me, but I hope that people plan to take really good care of their health. Well, there's part in the book. What I've done is, is I've made this a, like a 40,000-foot view of retirement. So it's, uh, the concept is like an umbrella, and underneath the umbrella are all those things. We have a five-step process, which I have created an acronym called POISE, P-O-I-S-E, for your personal, others, income, safe, uh, savings, and evaluation. And under personal, a very critical thing is you have to take care of yourself physically. That might be your best health care savings program is to stay healthy and not go in the system. Exactly, exactly. Robert, honest, this is the, it is not a complex each individual should have a new plan for 2012, everybody out there, of what can I do to be healthier, and I could save a fortune of money if I work every day to be healthy. What would it be? Yes. I bring on doctors from Harvard, Tufts, and all over, the Mayo Clinic all over, and they'll say the number one is the sugar. Carbo- lower, lower your carbohydrates. Get into fresh vegetables, fresh fruits. Get into less carbohydrate, less sugar. Drink a ton of water, of course, pure water. No added anything to the water, just plain water, at least 8 to 10 glasses a day. And then think, get a good night's sleep. And that just those simple, proactive truths. And I think what also a fortune. Could, and what could complement that, which is also important, is... Um, uh, both social connectivity and a sense of personal value, that if you feel that you're contributing to your family and you're finding joy in the day-to-day life, that keeps your spirit going, keeps you healthier. And if you're connected to friends, family, and spouse, that avoids isolation and potential depression. So you bring all that together with the physical stuff, 
and you realize retirement's about more than money. Yes, I need the money every day, but it's about the quality of my life. How can I go out and really enjoy my life? That's ultimately what we want to do in retirement. That is one of the greatest. uh, uh, You could not have said anything better because a person's quality of life and their everyday. I always say at the end of the show every week, Robert, uh, Earth has a secret. Embrace your life and somebody else's, but Earth has a secret. Don't say goodbye. Leave something behind. And what I mean by that, Robert, is we're in, there's a mortality rate that's out of control because of humidity all by itself and diseases. But immortality is leaving something. Don't take it all. And your health is vital. Your outlook is vital to pay it forward to those around you. Uh, yes, and then you at this stage, especially once you're retired, there should be some reflection on the legacy. What are you going to leave behind legacy, and what people right. are going to remember is not that you left me 50000 What they're going to remember is this is a great person who shared some advice and gave me some guidance, or this was exactly, a person who exactly. helped the community the be a better community. That's what they remember. And, you know, I, we're, I'm so, I, I know we're on the World Talk Radio, Voice America, Apple, iTunes, all over the world, but to the world to hear this, the United States has lived their life to be provide a legacy to what life is all about by what they've done with charity all over the world. Right. And uh, we have in our country, there's no place. And when people say, well, we have to take care of our country first, well, we there have been. Um, the National Guard was uh, really organized to take care of our country. Um, not go anywhere else. And so our volunteer forces were uh, at one time were the largest in the world to go anywhere and help anybody else. Then we have um, ability with our chair. Where, where else could you go? If you were hungry, Robert, you just have to walk down the street. There's, chair, there's missions, there's churches, there's all kinds of directions to go to get, to get food yes, and get hope. assistance to what you need. Uh, this country has it everywhere. Well, we only have one minute left. How to survive the coming retirement storm? Your book is out there. I, I hope it, people buy it. And uh, where do you have it sold at? Uh, it's available on uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Google, all the okay. online retailers, and it's also on my website at www.robertmargetic.com. And where do you where are you at today? Uh, we're outside of San Francisco. Okay, we're in. I'm up here in Southern Oregon. Oh, ah, well, we're not that far. I'm in no, uh, we're not over that far. the Golden Gate Bridge in Marin County. If you're familiar with okay. that. Okay, oh, I, that's a great county. You're you're close to the famous one called Silicon Valley. Yes, we are. <laughs> well, and I bet you're doing a lot of counseling down there. We are. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Robert. You have a nice day. Keep up the good work, and I'd like to have you on again someday. All right. be my pleasure, and happy birthday to you. Oh, thank you, and you be well. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, again, I hope we uh, were able to uh, create a, a, a wow. I, I find myself learning a lot, and I love to have people preach the fact of what is best for people to proactively think about how to take care of themselves. And one day, audience, you will be retired, and you will enjoy it uh, when the time comes because you work so hard to give back and uh, earn a living and pay your bills and be a, a citizen to live in a society of, of comfort and uh, re- re- plan on those days that you get to come and go as you please without having to look at the time clock every day. Uh, that's what he meant. The government has been taking your mo- the money of your future, 
And I think it's time that you started looking at what that is all about. I, so I liked what he said today. Well, Earth does have a secret. I know what it is, possibly. Uh, the power of water. And I thank you all for blogging and, and doing what you're doing. But you embrace your life and you embrace somebody else's life. But as I always say, Earth has a secret, though. Don't say goodbye. Leave something behind. You will be immortal. And isn't it exciting to think about what you could leave behind? It is so important for Earth and all life on Earth and those children to survive. Every single child, every single person, give it back to them, something. You are important. I want to thank you for listening. Be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.